sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You join me for the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors, where I am joined by Ross Mould, Investment Director of AJFL. We're going to discuss the world of investment from a UK perspective. We spent quite a while actually talking about inflation. I mean, you were certainly talking about it long before uh, the powers that be and central bankers actually seemed to realise there was more than just a little problem. Um, but Janet Yellen's been saying how she actually got yeah, it wrong. And, and, and nobody likes admitting, and you know, in the end, if you're me, you're firing off bullets, you're going to hit the target eventually. Yeah. So, you know, um, I've, I've, I've no monopoly on truth or wisdom by any stretch of imagination. Uh, but it was certainly interesting that, you know, Andrew Bailey, the Bank of England, has admitted that the, the, the transitory uh, tail for inflation hasn't worked. J- J- Fed Chair Jay Powell backtracked from it. And, and now ex-Fed Chair Janet Yellen one at the White House this week has said, yeah, I, I misunderestimated some of the challenges there are there for inflation. And look, we all get things wrong. To err is to be human. And, I, and I'm not going to pillory anybody for that. But I, I think that obviously the, the lesson there for financial markets is, you know, there is a tendency to hang up on it every central banker's every word and they are just as fallible as we are they're smart they're well-intentioned although i know some people will argue they're not very well-intentioned and um and some of the insider trading scandals you've seen at the fed over the last couple of years would perhaps question that um but they're generally they're smart they're generally well-intentioned and they're trying to do their best but they can and if his, you read the history books do get things wrong so well, don't blindly assume that just because you know, the central banks are doing their best. They're going to get it right. And the outcome is necessarily going to be the one that they want or expect. And I think that's what we're seeing now with with inflation or conceivably this this threat of of stagflation. And, you know, I've, I've been watching some of the smart blogs, some of the smart people are right, right blogs are, are out there, you know, repeating the mantra that, you know, if you look at history over time, commodities have got cheaper or certainly in, 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 in mm. real terms, because the human race has got clever at working out ways of yes. producing them in greater quantity yeah. or, or in more hostile environments or whatever it is. And, and so the argument there is, well, you know, the oil price surge that we're seeing right now is therefore presumably the result as much of policy error and human action as it is geology. Now, clearly Russia, Ukraine is, is, a, is a major factor in there that nobody could have perhaps anticipated. Uh, sanctions on Iran, uh, again, are a human issue, but you can understand a policy issue, but you can understand why they're there. But then some of the other things that we've seen in terms of uh, discouragement of investment uh, and now windfall taxes do make you think a little bit that there may be some human error involved. And, you know, if you look at Argentina, it spent the last two or three years slapping windfall taxes on what it's called excessive corporate profits, particularly from energy companies. And nobody wants to think that their economies, that Argentina is their economic model, surely. So yes. I think in that respect, you've got to be quite careful. And there is that, you know, there's that classic sequence of events. You know, you get the subsidy, you get the windfall tax, you get more subsidies and consumption, then you get consumption quotas, production quotas, then you get export tariffs, import tariffs, and finally you get asset nationalisation. And so we're on that path. So, you know, if, heaven forbid, any investors see any government moving further down that classic emerging market slash banana republic path, they are generally patch fixes that make things worse over the long term, not better. That will generally be supportive for all prices. And therefore, we know what to do if we see those policies. Now, obviously, then the question is, how do you protect yourself from such potential repetition of policy error? Um, and, and clearly, hard assets and commodities is one area that we've discussed as, a, as an area of potential. And a, another is trying to buy assets mm. that are cheap. 
I think. And, yes. you know, that I think it's one of the biggest fallacies of investment that you're rewarded for taking risk. And I, and I can see why people say that, because if I buy a higher risk in investment, oh, I'm going to get a higher return. But if you're guaranteed a higher return, well, it wouldn't be a high risk investment, would it? I know that's a little bit yes. circular. Yes. But if you, you are can, guaranteed... Yes, a, you can take on risk in the hope that you get a higher return, but frequently you're proven wrong. But hope is not a strategy. Yes. So you're, 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 you're not paid... <laughs> you say that, but I suspect for many investors well, it probably is. But you're, yes. you're not paid for taking risk. Yes. Jer- as Jeremy Grantham puts it, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea because he's a bit bearish at the minute. You're paid for buying assets cheaply. And, mm. and that gives you hopefully the ideal combination of downside protection if your thesis is wrong or something exogenous happens. Mm and hopefully some upside reward if, if you're correct. Just briefly pause for breath for us. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors, where I'm talking to Russ Motivator Bell. Russ, just going back a little bit to what you were saying, you were talking about... Um, some of the problems that perhaps have been caused by central bankers, you have to ask yourselves, and I know it's a question we have discussed before, and we're talking about utopia, but why do we have central bankers deciding the price of money if they are so fallible and are no better? What Do you think we'd be in less of a pickle if the price of money was left I mean, to, I mean, the, to the find US, its own level? I mean, the, the US Federal Reserve came into existence, was it in 1918 or 1919, so effectively, you know, provide a better structure and shape to the US banking system, which was fragmented mm. through all of these local banks. Mm. Um, but equally, it was organized by JP Morgan himself and a number of mm. uh, prominent bankers at the time. So you could perhaps question. It was, it was a cabal, <laughs> really, wasn't it? Y- yes, Island. You, 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 could, you, could, you could argue yeah. you could argue that. Um, I think it was, was it Chancellor Gordon Brown who made the Bank of England independent mm. and actually took away the policy decision-making from the Chancellor of the mm. Exchequer and gave it to an independent body of the Bank of England? So again, the idea there was to make it independent of political interference, although it's a political appointment. So again, who knows? But again, it's trying to, you know, I suppose, hand it over to technocrats who are independent, not in theory swayed by the fear of losing their seat on a four-year cycle. Mm. And are therefore, you know, well-intentioned, well-educated and, and determined to do their best. And so I, I can see why. And the third argument is, you know, when you do let free markets do their thing, you then get some chuff who then starts manipulating LIBOR for their own personal bonus yes. and profit. So I, I, it, it, like in many things, it's probably the least worst option available. <laughs> yes. But, yes. But, but, but I think it's, it's, it is one that I, I, it's there for a reason. But I, I think that investors need to be aware of the fact that there have been policy errors in the past and, and there will be policy errors in the future because nobody has a crystal ball and there will be events, dear boy, events, as, as, as Harold Macmillan puts it, which will just blow things off course. And I think one thing that we as, as, a, as a race are not particularly brilliant at planning and that's as individuals, let alone governments or policymakers, and it's, it's, it's Morgan Housel's point, the American economist. And if you read a history book, and I'm still reading a lot of them, does the history book feature Russ and Simon had a chat on a Wednesday rather than the Thursday for once, then Russ got on the train home and saw his wife and kids and had his dinner and no, went and ran a cricket match the next day. The day-to-day stuff just doesn't feature. The stuff that's in history books is the fat tail stuff at the end. Wars, famines, asteroids, whatever it happens to be. And it's that stuff at the end that we need to be prepared for. And we very rarely, if ever, are because the chances of it happening, you think, are so small and it's loads of expense for no good purpose. Why on earth should I bother planning for that? But actually, that is the sort of stuff 
for which we need to plan. And you could argue that on this occasion, central banks, what they probably did with good intentions to help us through the pandemic and governments perhaps with good, in, with good intentions to see through the pandemic with fiscal policy, piled up an awful lot of flammable materials in a big heap and all you needed was a flame to go anywhere near it and something mm. was going to go wrong. And that's effectively what we've had. So we've, we've had the endogenous situation there and then you've got the exogenous one which in this case has been russia oil ukraine whatever it happens to be and woof the whole thing's gone up yes so let's go back to investors now now you were talking about risk and and return and mm. hope not being a strategy but for many investors we'll see in this rather new and to many completely unfamiliar uh, environment you know they do want return but at the same time they want to try and reduce the actual risk because for most yeah, investors what they want is to make sure they don't lose their original well, capital well i think over can. the last 13 years return on capital has been the mantra and that's been how much money can i make because within reason most things have gone up and when you've seen spectacular ramps in gamestop and amc and and, and meme stocks or mm. meme stocks however you pronounce it that you know markets are at their most dangerous when making money looks easiest and i think that has lulled people into a false sense of security that return on capital is all when the first thing that you need to focus on is return of capital yeah. and how do you do it? Again, you do that well, it's through valuation. And you try and do that by looking at stocks that are trading on a low multiple of, of book or net asset value, preferably even one times or a discount, though that's quite rare now because we're in a much more intangible uh, business. Mm. Uh, you know, Things are much more intangible. Than the, you, know, there, you have a lot more companies that do intangible things like financial services or media rather than tangible things yes. like digging holes in the ground and making steel. Um, or you look at things that are on a low multiple of sales and I've got depressed earnings right now, but you look at them, what could they trade on if their margins go back to normal or their mid average, their mid cycle average, or they offer a good yield that's covered by a really strong balance sheet and, and decent cash flow. Mm. And, and I think it's just intriguing that, you know, it, feel, it does feel slightly like the roof has caved in on house building stocks in the past few months. Interest rates are going up. You're seeing mortgage applications coming down. You're seeing an end to the stamp duty tax break, help to buy coming to an end next year at least in theory but i'll see it i'll believe it when mm. i see it um uh, and house prices are now at what 10 times the average uk salary near as so you, you can envisage a case for a slowdown there and then you've had the the, the developers pledging wake of the grenfell disaster which means that house builders are having to fork out about two billion pounds in remediation and, and compensation uh, maybe remediation is a better word but i don't want to get the lawyers involved and and, and so that feels like the roof's caved in on those companies and that lo and behold, this week, you've had an American private equity company coming with a bid for one. Countryside properties, it was trading at barely one times book value. And if you actually looked at the market cap of countryside properties at the time, it was equivalent to its inventory plus its cash, which is the sort of thing that a private equity company would just fall over themselves for. And lo and behold, they've put in a bid. Now, analysts are saying they might have to put in a higher bid, but that's fine. But they've, come to, they've looked at the company with a net cash balance sheet with asset, back, with asset backing, where there's been sentiment against the sector and the company itself has had execution problems. Dream setup. You know, a lot of house builders fit the same bill, intriguingly. And dare I say it, some of the banks might do because they're on low multiples of book value. I can't find any reason why the shares would go up. But if they've already been flattened, it might not take very much to change sentiment. So, again, that's the sort of maybe the sort of setup we could be using to protect ourselves. Ross, thank you very much indeed. I can't help you talking about things like raising tariffs and things like that. I can't help feeling that all our central bankers and all our politicians and certainly every, every chancellor around the world should really be reading the 1946 book by Hazlitt, Economics in One Lesson, which is still amazingly pertinent. It's all, it's all there. It's, it's all there. 
I know, one small book, and I can't help feeling it would save a lot of problems. Anyway, Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJ Bell. Thank you very much indeed. I hope Russ will be back with me in a fortnight's time. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.